You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. I'm your host today, Lauren Scott. Unfortunately, my beloved co-host, Maddie Welsh, is unable to be here today. She is sick, so prayers for her. Today, I will be interviewing Nick Trelia about The Collision, which is a satire page that we produce in The Collegian once a semester. And he'll also be talking about the importance of humor within journalism. Then we'll be talking to Megan Schultz about a transfer student who started his career as a chef and has done many different things, but then found himself transferring at Hillsdale to pursue his true passion. And lastly, we will be talking to Jane Kitchen about an event that is put on every year by the Student Activities Board called The Taste of Manning. I'm here with Nick Trelia, a collegian freelancer and also the sports director at Radio Free Hillsdale. This week, he helped put together the collision, which is something we do um, every semester whenever we have the half issue of the collision. So right now, Nick is going to explain what the collision is and how he helps with that. Yeah, so thanks for having me on, Lauren, to bring down the reputation of this amazing award-winning radio program. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so the, the collision we do once a semester, and it's basically just sort of like a satire issue. Uh, you know, there, there's kind of events that happen on campus that people are always riffing on or kind of different in-jokes throughout the semester, and it's a really fun opportunity to come on and, and riff about things that might appear in the news or things that happened uh, you know, to Hillsdale or people that might have come up on campus. So it's all that kind of the weird uh, Hillsdale, you know, centric things that happen uh, will come together as a team, write some articles, put some jokes together. It's, it's like sort of like the Babylon Bee kind of, uh, but like a whole newspaper uh, page. So how did you originally get involved in the collision? And why do people kind of rely on your help to put it together every semester? Uh, that was actually kind of an accident. So my sophomore year, uh, the first article I wrote ever for, uh, the, or maybe it was the second article I wrote for the collision, uh, the... <laughs> The peop- there was like this thing going around where people were like, the portion sizes of Saga are getting smaller. Like they're giving me less and less food. And I was like, no, that'd be really funny to like write this article where I do like it. I, it was like an opinion piece where I was like, you know, you're right. The food is getting smaller. And I was like, you know, why not make it funny? And, you know, people really enjoyed it. And I had a really, really fun time uh, doing it. And so every couple of weeks I would just write some like uh, snide little uh, thing about Hillsdale and kind of over time, uh, you know, I got to know the opinions editors and they're the ones who run the the collision. And so I forget which one it was. It might've been like Haley or Rachel or whoever it was at the time was like, Hey, do you want to actually want to come help us with the collision? I was like, sweet. And then like ever since, you know, I've been uh, helping out with it. So give us the rundown of some of the top stories and headlines in the collision uh, this semester. And I don't know the ideas behind them. Sure. Uh, so the, the top story is uh, I'm going to plug the, the one that I wrote first. Uh, uh, it's campus reacts to the Bud Light boycott. So, uh, as I'm sure people are aware, uh, Bud Light, you know, they did that uh, sponsorship deal with Dylan Mulvaney, who's like a transgender. And a lot of people aren't happy about it because, like, you're injecting politics into my beer. And so, I basically, you know, did a did a look in quotation marks. Uh, you know, interviewed some people on campus and kind of asked them what they thought, um, you know, about it. 
and sort of how the different groups of, of campus, you have like the fundies and the teetotalers and then like the frats and sororities, how they were kind of uh, reacting to the situation. All right. And then I know that you had some jokes in that piece yes. that you were pretty proud of. So oh I don't know. Do you want, want to explain some, some that are maybe appropriate to say on the radio? <laughs> I've got to get that legal guide out. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of them that I, I really liked was, uh, you know, here at Hillsdale, we got a lot of people, you know, they like to, to thump the Bibles, you know. So, so I asked somebody what they thought about the boycott, what they thought about Dill Mulvaney. It's like, just another reason why drinking's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely could imagine a Hillsdale student saying oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's like, that's what's like really funny. I really do like stuff where it's funny because, and that's really satire, is like, it's funny because it's true. Like, you, you try to find something like, uh, everybody knows that the Delt uh, fraternity, uh, you know, like I have here, uh, where is it? it says the, you know, the, the Delts are kind of concerned that woke marketing could spread to other products such as cigarettes, which they insist they could quit whenever they wanted. Like, yeah. it, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we all know a Delt who's always like, you know, always smoking at a party or something. And so just in case a uh, big tobacco goes woke, they're growing their own tobacco at their house just in case they have to replace it one day. So just stuff like that, I think is, is a lot of fun. Just you find something kind of real that you can point to like this other article, uh, Dean Pete announces career as WWE wrestler, which is just funny, like like on its own, because like everybody knows Dean Pete's personality and just very bombastic. And we have the article written by Dean Pete himself talking about how he is a WWE world champion and you know all that kind of stuff. So I it, that's that's a lot of fun. Where it's something that it's like you could definitely see that happening or it kind of plays into somebody's personality. I think that's really fun. So then you mentioned how satire is funny because a lot of it is real or a lot right. of it is true. So. Are there any other examples in the collision of things that are kind of true or real that we're kind of poking fun at and that's what makes them satirical? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, a really fun one, and this one, uh, the, the New Yorker came uh, to campus and they were uh, they did an article on us and everyone was like, oh my gosh, like why did Dr. Arn have, have the New Yorker come? Like, what was he thinking? And then there was this other event happened where, where Dr. Arn, uh, he, he had surgery. And so I was like, why don't we combine the two? So trustees made Arn get brain surgery after inviting the New Yorker to campus. Like, yeah. <laughs> like okay. Uh, I thought that was, you know, this kind of like, everyone's like wondering, like, why on earth? And it's like something must have been wrong with Dr. Arn. Then <laughs> <laughs> he let the New Yorker come and just like do a hit piece on us. Uh, another one. Uh, you know, we bring someone in a, a band for Central Hall Palooza every year. And every year it's like the same question, like, who are these people? Like the student bands are always like way more well known than, <laughs> at least on campus, than the, you know, than the students. And I know that Collegian, y'all have a heck of a time trying to find someone who's like a big fan to interview. And so I was like, the band this year was the Dwellers. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if they thought the FIMU band was like, as popular and big as we did. Yeah. And so I have like the Dwellers ask the FIMU band for autographs after CHP. So just stuff like that where um, it's like always in a, in a kind, nice way. You, you, you like to kind of poke a little fun at something that like when you're inundated in like a culture like Hillsdale or something, it's really easy to just sort of like not even notice the, the weird stuff. And so it's always fun to just sort of like take a step back and be like, what if, like what would someone who has ne never been to Hillsdale, like seeing it through the eyes of like a prospy again, where like ev everything you see is like new. It's like, oh, that's weird. Like, so that's always kind of fun with us. So I know that you have a background in kind of journalism that is satirical. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that and how you think that helps you generate ideas for things like this. Uh, I think that if you're the journalism background, I think is interesting because 
the more plausible something sounds or like the more serious you can make it sound, the better. Because you want someone to not even really think of it as a joke. Like, uh, I think what really makes satire a lot of fun and really effective is that when someone comes up to you and says like, hey, I got a joke for you, or someone says knock, knock, whatever, you, there's sort of like already this expectation there that you know, you're looking for something and you're not really gonna think about it because you're like, oh, it's a joke. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the, <laughs> I'm waiting for the laugh or the joke or, or whatever. But like with satire, cause like, it, I mean, if you couldn't read English and you just looked at this page, it, it looks like a regular news like thing. And, and you know, it's like, you know, like, oh, we got our top stories and, and everything like that. And it, you, know, you got the quotes, got the poll quotes and everything. It looks very professional. And so when, when you sneak something in there like that, it really kind of like sneaks under your radar a little bit and maybe kind of supplants itself in your subconscious a little more because you weren't necessarily like, even though you know that like, oh, this is going to be funny, like at least on like a subconscious level, you're kind of engaging with it like more seriously, like it's a real news story or something. And why do you think that humor is important for journalism. I know sometimes journalism is thought of a more serious thing. Right, kind of stuffy. Yeah, so why do you think humor is important to implement? Um, so, I don't know. It, it depends on, like, how highfalutin you want to get. Like, I know there's plenty of people who really, like, they follow comedy a lot, and they're like, comedians are the philosophers of today or whatever, and it's like Kevin Hart making, like, sex jokes or something. Oh, wow, what a deep thinker. But I, I do think that uh, one aspect of comedy is... Uh, one is like subverting expectations, but two is looking at incongruity. And so um, like being able to look at something, which I mean, let's give an obvious example. Like we all know a man is not a woman. Like like that is like incongruous, if, if that's a word. And it's always funny. Like it's it's never ceases to to be funny when you point something out that like should that isn't right. You know, like we all have these expectations of the world, like we know how things operate. We have, you know, you want to call them biases, whatever. We know how the world works. But then when something goes against that and people like pretend like that's normal or, or whatever, it's so funny because it's like you, you can't see, you can't see this right there. And so that's why I think it's really important because it's a really good weapon, uh, like in your arsenal, especially for like trying to change people's minds because you can really catch people off guard. Like laughter is involuntary. And it, it's not like when you're debating with someone and a lot of times like you try to go hard facts, like most people walk away just never having their minds changed about anything. But what's awesome about comedy is that it is unconscious. And then you and like with the way that you use your words and, and kind of weave like references or whatever you do, you are forcing them to make a connection or acknowledge something that they maybe wouldn't otherwise. Because like I said, laughter is involuntary. And if you do it right, you know, you can really get people to think about something or see something in a way they normally wouldn't otherwise. And they can't help it because that is how like comedy is like you can't like un comedy like, like if something is funny and you think it's funny, you will laugh or even if you try to fight it, like you'll be like, oh, man, that's clever. That's funny without, you know, without even uh, like you can't stop it. All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much for joining oh, yeah. us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. I'm here with Megan Schultz, the features editor of The Collegian. This week, she wrote a story about a transfer student, Mark Den Hollander, and he had kind of a long journey getting to Hillsdale, um, and he started out in the world of pastries. So, Megan, tell me about the story. Yeah, so Mark started out his journey in the culinary arts in high school when he started working part-time at a restaurant. Uh, he ended up studying pastry specifically at a school in London. 
before moving to Canada, before working in New York at a three Michelin star restaurant. So he had quite the journey to get here. Uh, and he's really good at what he does, um, both in pastry and now in education. Tell me a little bit more about when he worked at a restaurant and what that was like for him. Yeah, so he described the environment at that restaurant in New York, Le Bernardin, as very intense, uh, as very focused on the task at hand. There was a great environment of teamwork, he said. But obviously you want to get things right and you want to get things done efficiently when you're in an environment like that, serving so many people such high quality dishes. So he worked in pastry under a pastry chef there. Uh, and really got to specialize and perfect what he what he'd been studying and working on for years. What were some of his favorite things that he enjoyed while he was working with pastries? So he talks a lot about pastry uh, and cooking in general as an art form. So he really sees it as a wonderful opportunity to combine texture and color and taste uh, to make something beautiful. And that he had this great he had this great line that he said about. Um, you can, you can look at a painting, but you can't consume a painting. You can consume pastry. So it makes it a really unique form of art that he enjoys getting to work on and get those details really precise. So what made him kind of have the inspiration to make the transition from restaurant to school? Great question. Um, so he was working in New York and this dream of becoming a teacher that he had had since eighth grade had never really gone away. Him and so he decided to pursue that and went back to community college. Um, but he was sort of dissatisfied with the education he was getting there. He felt that it was rather politically charged, that he wasn't getting the most he could have out of his more liberal arts focused classes. So, classes on literature, on history, things like that. And as he was writing this capstone project about education and getting into what was going on behind the scenes of what was producing this kind of education he discovered Hillsdale. Uh, and so he came, he visited, and I think he, it sounds like he pretty much fell in love with it from the moment he set foot on campus. So um, he worked with admissions counselor Lily Carville and came here this January and has been really enjoying it ever since. When did his passion for education start and why does he think it's so important that he's on the path that he's on? Yeah, so he's really interested in the intersection between ed- education and politics. He thinks that if you have a foot in one of those worlds, you have to have a foot in the other because of how much they affect each other, especially right now in America. Uh, and so after he gets his undergraduate, he's really interested in teaching, like I said, but he also wants to be invested in politics um, and play a role in how that is going to affect the school that he's working at, but also education in general. So I'm curious to see where he ends up um, in his long-term career. You said that he worked with admissions counselor Lily Carville. What did she have to say about Mark? Lily spoke really highly of Mark. Uh, She said that from their first conversation, she knew he would be a great fit for Hillsdale, and she anticipates him making a great impact here um, as a student, obviously, but also just his, his welcoming, friendly presence on campus and contribution to the clubs that he's involved in. Going back to whenever Mark was involved in the kitchen and making pastries, um, who are some prominent people he worked with or some um, prestigious places he might have studied at um, when learning how to be a better chef? Yeah, so he studied in London at Le Cordon Bleu, if you're... (laughs) If you're trying to be accurate with the French pronunciation, which I probably bungled. Um, but he studied at Le Cordon Bleu and um, 
there he got to really specialize in pastry it's a um quite well-renowned um place to get your education to get certified um to then go on and work at these uh well-known highly reviewed restaurants um and then at the bernardin bernardin um he was under pastry chef thomas raquel um who actually started as the pastry chef at that restaurant when he was just 27 years old um so he was also incredibly skilled at what he does um and like i said i think it was a very it's on it was a very intense experience um obviously a lot of pressure but he got to participate in the art that he loves so um, it sounds like it was an incredible experience. Is there anything that you learned while writing this article that you maybe didn't include in the story? Yes. Yeah, so I had received contacts from Mark um, from some of the restaurants he used to work at. So the place in Canada that he spent some time at after studying in London. Um, and he still has a relationship with the staff there with um, his former boss. And so it's really cool that he kind of established that. Um, and even though he's doing something completely different with his life now. Um, he's maintained that relationship with them. So, All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. The Collegian Week in Review continues. I'm here with Jane Kitchen, the assistant culture editor of The Collegian. This week, she wrote a story about a little event that the Student Activities Board hosts every year called the Taste of Manning. So, Jane, tell me about this event and why it was able to happen this year when I heard it hasn't been able to happen in years past. Yeah, Taste of Manning is an event that SAB puts on where um, all of the houses, there were 12 of them this year, on the block of Manning Street from Fayette to River, um, each cook dishes, and then um, all students can come down and try all of them and then vote on which one's their favorite. And it was very exciting that they got to put it on this year because it was canceled last year um, just for bad weather. It was super rainy, and it looked like it was going to be rainy this year, um, but it actually didn't start raining until right after the event. So that was good luck. Tell me about the atmosphere of Taste in Manning. What is that like? It's really fun. Um, they had like cornhole set up and there was live music. Um, yeah, just very fun and springy and trying to enjoy the n degree of nice weather we have right now. Taste of Manning is a culinary competition. So Tell me what that entailed this year. Yeah, good question. Um, there was a lot of different dishes. People took a lot of different directions. Um, there were dumplings. Um, I believe that's a dish that won. Um, there was butter cake and breakfast kebabs from Waffle House, which was very cute and punny. Um, rum cake. There was lots of different stuff. Did SIB think that it was a good turnout this year? They did. I talked to Phoebe Van Heinegen, who's on SAB's creative team, and um, she said they were really happy with the turnout and the way the event went. Um, people seemed to really enjoy themselves. And then who was the winner 
of this competition? Harbor One, and they made pork and shrimp dumplings. Ooh, that sounds kind of tasty. Yeah, it was. It was good. Taste of Manning, more like tasty Manning. Am I right? You are right, yes. Yeah, okay, great. Well, um, I guess the only question I have left for you is, will you be attending Taste of Manning next year after hearing how wonderful it was this year? Totally. Yeah, as long as it doesn't rain. All right, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us, Jane. Thank you. You have been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram and Twitter at hdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. See you next semester.